welcome to the next episode of our series of podcasts with BlackRock on effective cash management. Today's episode focuses on cash segmentation and how Treasury can strike a balance between liquidity and returns. We're going to speak to James Morick, Managing Director, Head of International Cash Sales at BlackRock. Cash flow forecasting is key here. If you are going to look to try and do more of a segmented cash approach, then you do need to be able to forecast your cash flow effectively. And technology is certainly an enabler in this area now, more so than it was, let's say, five years ago. And Brett Davis, BlackRock's Director, Cash Portfolio Manager. We have our objectives when we are investing for a cash type portfolio. And regardless of the strategy, what our hierarchy of investment goes from, you know, preservation of capital, regardless of what they're looking for, still remains a core principle, and then liquidity, and then income. They'll be talking about how to devise an effective liquidity strategy for different cash segments, and how pooled funds and separate accounts compare to traditional money market funds. So, hi, James and Brett. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Great. Lovely to be with you both today. Corporates are holding an elevated level of cash today. Could you talk a little about the reasons for this and the current Treasury priorities and concerns regarding these elevated cash levels? Thanks, Sarah. Yes, certainly. I'd say there's several reasons, really. Um, The uncertainty of the pandemic has caused really a a risk-off approach across most corporate sectors, and that's meant holding high levels of cash and in most instances quite a a high level of cash in in sort of liquid or short dated uh, duration and many corporates have let their sort of longer dated investments just roll off and be sat here in this shorter level of duration holdings. Um, We've also seen that more capital raising has been done through issuance and a reduction in capital expenditure as well. So all these levers have added to increased levels of cash holdings. A reduction in dividend payments and special dividend payments, particularly from those who've taken government support, has also added to this. Um, We've seen capital expenditure projects put on hold. That's as a result of an uncertain sort of future horizon. Uh, And this has started to change for some sectors, but we don't see this at pre-pandemic levels. Whilst there's been tremendous caution from corporate clients, I'd say, a lot of them have been holding cash because it's been a tactical allocation when levels were a lot higher. And as we've trended down into a lower yield environment, the curve has remained flat. So it's been difficult to extract yield a bit further out within their parameters that they're allowed. We have seen M&A activity being relatively high, and that's particularly apparent for those that have been in a healthy position as a result of what's happened over the last 18 months. And they've been building up to take advantage of opportunities that arise through these markets. And so we've seen elevated cash levels as a result of that, albeit that those are being spent down as and when those opportunities are are taken. So those are really the, the key drivers we've seen so far for corporates to be holding this sort of elevated level of cash. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one way of dealing with this is cash segmentation. Could you just explain what this involves, how it might help, and the sort of key things Treasury teams need to get right when exploring cash segmentation? Yeah, sure. And I think some of those factors have led for us to see more cash segmentation taking part. Okay, so the low yield environment, particularly as we've seen since the sort of March, April last year, has meant that corporates have really had to assess 
what they need to keep in each of their sort of buckets. And we really have see three main buckets uh, that the corporates are looking at, and that's their sort of working capital or their liquid bucket, which they need to have access to on a, on a daily basis. Their core cash, which is what I call their sort of rainy day buffer, but really cash that could be used if you get certain market events or you need to call on cash, but it's quite stable. And then more strategic cash that you can go out longer term. And I think really the strategic cash and even the core cash has been uh, looked at more diligently because they are looking to see if they can eke out a better return, get better diversification. But what I would say has been a real enabler is technology. You know, cash flow forecasting is key here. If you are going to look to try and do more of a segmented cash approach, then you do need to be able to forecast your, your cash flow effectively. And, and technology is, is certainly an enabler in this area now, more so than it was, let's say, five years ago. So that's enabled people to maybe factor in and add buffers into that, that forecast so that they feel even more comfortable. And then I think it goes down to you know, some of the components that uh, are needed to allow you to do this are certainly internal approvals, right? Looking at your investment guidelines, what are you permitted to do? And if those permitted investments are quite restrictive, how do you go about looking to get approval to broaden out those investment guidelines? We're also seeing a deeper conversation with auditors around what is possible and what impact broadening out the investment guidelines will, will do from an accounting perspective. So th those are all sort of considerations to make. And then uh, if you're looking at broadening your investment products or looking at the, the suite of products that you uh, invest in, you need to be able to record and have them built into systems. So we're sort of seeing that integration component be a factor in terms of uh, looking at this. But I think when we see corporates looking at this, you know, resource is a key factor and having an ability to do something is not necessarily mean you can do that and resource and working with your partners to allow you to invest in certain asset classes means that you can act on those um, guidelines that may have been broadened a lot easier than buying in resource uh, in-house. Yeah, absolutely. And Brett, could you add to this and maybe talk a little bit more about how segmentation strikes a balance between liquidity and returns and different types of investment in each segment, maybe? Yes, of course. So when we think about all cash strategies, whether you're talking about operating, core or strategic, they're all very highly liquid. And we have, you know, our objectives when we are investing for a cash type portfolio. And regardless of the strategy, what our hierarchy of investment goes from, you know, preservation of capital, regardless of what they're looking for, still remains a core principle. And then liquidity and then income. The way you differentiate liquidity is both based on the amount of interest rate risk you're allowed to take, as well as the amount of credit risk that one is allowed to take. So what you would think about for an operating account tends to have a little bit less interest rate risk, more highly rated securities. So it includes more treasury notes and treasury bills. And as you go into the strategic, which is more a longer term strategic allocation of cash, you will start to see investors starting to look at credit instruments, which for a cash management portfolio tends to include commercial paper, certificates of deposit, corporate bonds. Um, and we also look at different types of sectors and structures. 
including you know, fixed or floating rate. It all depends on what the current market environment is presenting us and really understanding what the treasurer's cash needs are and really constructing a portfolio that keeps the three principles at the forefront, but starting to optimize a little bit more of the yield um, and a little bit more income for their portfolio given the different strategies that they look to choose. To make it you know, very simple, on the operating side, as you said, it's working capital. You tend to see inflows and outflows in larger frequencies and sometimes unpredictability. So you like to have more cash on hand and maybe taking a little bit less interest rate risk. So you will see a, probably a greater allocation to some overnight securities as well as treasury notes. You know, as you go out the spectrum into the core, which is maybe your rainy day cash fund, or maybe it's more structured um, in when the cash flows occur, like once a month or twice a month, and have a little bit more runway into when you need your liquidity, what you will see is slightly longer dated securities within these portfolios, as well as the use of more credit instruments. And of course, the further out you go, the more duration and interest rate risk that one may be able to take, as well as, you know, understanding what the treasurer's or investor's comfort of risk is and what their risk tolerance is um, allows you to determine you know, what part of the credit spectrum you're willing to um, invest in. You know, that being said, for the most part, all cash investors are very high quality in nature. And you know, we still take those three main principles that I mentioned in the beginning, capital preservation, then liquidity, then income into consideration, regardless of the strategy that we're looking to implement. And so it just allows us how much we dial up and how much we dial down some of the interest rate risk and the credit risk all within the tolerance of what a treasurer or the investor is looking to achieve for their uses of cash. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much. James, could you talk about the opportunities and benefits in pooled funds and bespoke separate accounts and why these may better meet clients' objectives than short-term money market funds? Well, I would say uh, resource and expertise, you know, um, leveraging an experienced asset manager via a product or bespoke solution allows you to access a broader set of asset classes without having to build in-house teams. You know, if you've got the mandate to do something, it's one thing, but being able to execute it is another. So I think that's certainly one of the opportunities these products allow for corporate treasurers. I think one of the main reasons for segmenting your cash in in this way is to obtain a better diversification, particularly away from financials. As Brett alluded to, you're allowed to invest a bit further in the curve, but also in, in different asset classes. And that can not only improve return, but also uh, improve diversification, which I think is, is important. Within a pooled fund, you obviously get the benefits of a co-mingled product um, that has standard features and reporting and provides you with an element of liquidity uh, depending on the product. But also in terms of a separately managed account, you really get a chance to, to sort of tailor a solution to your needs. And really when you're segmenting and looking at that strategic bucket, I think this can really be a real advantage. That's not to say it should replace a short-term money market fund. That certainly has its place in the corporate treasury's armory, and we certainly see that as a a big pillar of that. But this certainly should be looked at from a complementary perspective. Brett, I don't don't know if you wanted to, to add anything to that. Yeah. The only additional thing I would add on to that is that, you know, in this low rate environment, 
as investors are looking to optimize their cash positions in the current interest rate environment, we have found that the flexibility offered through an SMA has become incredibly beneficial for them because they may have a better understanding of their cash flow needs. And in a commingled fund, you are paying up for excess liquidity for all the other investors within the product. And so this allows you to really optimize your cash investments and really target um, different points on the yield curve that really benefit uh, your particular company's cash flow needs, especially as you are looking more for your core or strategic type of cash. No, definitely. And and so what do these kind of structures offer that short-term money market funds can't around, say, bank relationships or evolving market conditions? If you're looking at, you know, bank deposits, okay, which are, are a big feature in corporate treasury investment policy, um, we're certainly not saying they should be removed, but these solutions allow you to have a diversification away from that exposure. And so I think that is a key advantage for um, broadening the investment guidelines. Um, I think it also allows flexibility and certainly to navigate market turbulence a lot easier and also allows you to participate in a, in a rate rising environment. And what I mean by that is it provides you with that sort of flexibility to, to tailor and to tweak some of the guidelines in order to take advantage of that um, within the parameters that you're allowed. So I feel that the more ability for you to to invest in different types of ways allows you to participate and have better flexibility. So that's certainly some of the uh, the key advantages I'd say over over sort of bank relationships. Brett, what would you like to add? You know, obviously as you look at your more strategic cash, the two things that can change versus a money market type product is the level of interest rate risk as well as the level of return that you're willing to take. And so based on that, we are able to utilize a much broader set of investments to be able to achieve something. And so when we think about liquidity, it's not just cash on hand. There's multiple ways to think about liquidity. You know, other ways are sector diversification, both on asset type, if it's a corporate bond versus a commercial paper, certificate of deposit, or it's in the types of industries in which you are investing in, which James alluded to before, given that money market funds on the prime side tend to be heavily concentrated in financial securities, you know, having that flexibility between the other asset classes and having a little bit more duration actually increases your flexibility and diversification within the portfolio and actually provides another outlet of liquidity than just having extra cash on hand or a very short maturity. So what does the future hold for cash segmentation? For cash segmentation, what the future presents us is that given the short duration nature of cash investments, what we do on an ongoing basis is heavily influenced by what central banks are doing. And given the fact that central banks have tons of liquidity, made segmentation and optimizing the use of cash for corporations even more important and something that will be with us for many years to come. Yeah, and to add to that, I'd say cash segmentation is is certainly here to stay. I think we're going to see more of it uh, from corporate treasurers, particularly as technology has uh, enabled them to forecast their cash flows more effectively. There are 
better technology solutions in order to help with reporting and integration. But as Brett says, given the, the environment that we're likely to see, I think we're going to see more optimization. Resources aren't necessarily going to be as forthcoming for corporate treasurers. So looking at outsourcing opportunities in order to take advantage of cash segmentation, we're seeing more of. And for the next few years, I'm certain that that will be just a growing phenomenon in our business for sure. Oh, great. James and Brett, thank you both so much for your time. We've covered a lot of ground. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to be part of this podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks to James Morick and Brett Davis for sharing their insights on cash segmentation and cash management strategies for liquidity and returns. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Treasury Today and BlackRock. And don't forget to subscribe so you can look out for new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. 